92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. This is the Decibel with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, here we are, finally back once again. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. You guys know me, your old buddy, Aaron Camaro, joined as always by your other best rock and roll pal, Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Doing good. Glad to uh, be back doing this theme again. Everybody seems to like it when we do these things. Yeah, I think the last time we did one was, what, 1984? Well, we didn't do it in 1984, but it was about 1984. Right, yeah. (laughs) That would have been something, though, if we had. Yeah, young kids doing the first podcast ever in 1984. We've been around a long time, but not that long. Seems like it. (laughs) Well, some some days, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, instead of doing 1984... Chris is going to pick out a good magazine this time from his collection. I think we're going to come into the future a little bit, but we'll get to all that in just a minute. You know us here at the Decibel Geek Podcast, we love, love our listeners, each and every single one of you. You guys subscribe to the show, which is a great idea because, you know, there's never telling what day of the week the show is going to come out because we're just that professional. So if you never want to miss an episode, you got to subscribe to the show. That's the only way because then it's a nice surprise. Ding, ding. Guess what? New Decibel Geek Podcast episode ready for you. So I highly recommend you do that. Another thing you can do, not just to help yourself out, but to help us out a great deal. You know it. We talk about it all the time. We love them. We love the reviews. We got to get more and more and more. I don't know. We weren't, I don't think we were going to say anything, but something crazy happened with our uh, ratings here lately. It was like, mm-hmm. We were in the top 10 consistently, and last time we were bragging that we were up to number eight, and I think last time I looked, we were down in the 40s. <laughs> I know. I don't even know what happened. I mean, we just come off of two back-to-back great interviews with Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice, and, you know, we think things are going great. You know, we're hitting the highest heights, and our reviews have been awesome, all five stars, all the time. We love it. And then one day I go to look at where we're at in the rankings, which I look maybe, I don't know, when it crosses my mind. I go, I wonder how we're doing, you know, so every couple of weeks. But the time before, it was like, man, we're up to number eight. We're really, you know, creeping up there. We're doing something all time, baby. And then the next time, it's like, we're not even listed. What the hell happened? I still don't know what happened. I don't either. I don't know. I don't, I've given up trying to figure it out. Yeah, but we're climbing. We're climbing again. We're up to number 45. So if you guys want to help us out, we're determined to climb back up to the top 10 where we feel like we belong. And a great way to do that is by giving us a review. So this is a really good one. It comes to us from Apple Podcasts, and it's entitled Great Show. Five stars. Just what we needed. And it goes a little something like this. My interest in the whereabouts of Vinnie Vincent brought me to this podcast about 10 years ago, and I've been a fan of it ever since. Each show is entertaining and worth a listen for fans of all things hard rock. One of the best music podcasts out there. 
Keep up the great work, guys. And that comes to us from Amber Brook, like I said, off the Apple Podcast right here in the good old USA. Thank you, Amber. Very cool. Nice to know you've been around for that long. She pops up on the live stream once in a while in comments. So, uh, Mighty K, you have a uh, competition. We're up to two female listeners. So, pretty <laughs> that's <cool>. right. <laughs> Last time I was on with Ron, we started out, we were waiting on you to come on, and it was Mighty K and it was Amber. And it was like, wow, we're actually popular with the ladies. <laughs> well, with two of them. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's ladies, two of them. Our wives like us. Does that count? They don't, they don't <laughs> listen to the show or nothing, but they like us. I think my mom's listened to more episodes than my wife has. That's pretty sad. <laughs> I know my mom tunes in for Friday Night Live once in a while. <laughs> oh, God. That now I'm mortified. <laughs> oh, no. She loves it. A lot of fun. That's cool. But, yeah, so thank you, Amber. Keep the reviews coming and because uh, they mean a ton to us, and uh, they mean as much to us as the people that share on Facebook and retweet on Twitter. That's right. So if you were a kind and wonderful person that took last week's episode, our new noise episode dedicated entirely to KISS, then you are an honorary geek of the week. Geeks of the week this week are Adam Cox, Rob Webb, Shay Hargett, Sit and Spin with Joe, Jay Sabluski, Robert Rowe, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Simon Cat, Kiss Army Omaha, Kevin Williams, Mike Purnell, David Glenn, John Phillips, Wayne Cross, the Rock and Metal Profs Podcast, Pantheon Podcast, Keith Rockford, the Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, Doug Fox, Jeff Taylor, Amber Brook, Hard Rock Forever, Hawk on Bergstad, Steve, JJP Body of the Soul, Eladio, Kevin's on Fire, JJ McElhenney, Bill Elam, Vet Halen, Over as Fuck Wrestling Podcast, Kristen Schimbeck, Rock and Ron Runyon, and as always, The, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are our people. They took last week's episode. They shared it on the Facebook. They tweeted it on the Twitter. And it helps us get the word out about what we're doing. And what that leads to is more reviews, which, you know, we love. Everything comes full circle. Big old rock and roll party together. The more the merrier. Keep them coming. If you guys want to be Geeks of the Week, all you got to do is share this week's episode, our latest installment of Rock Mag, and you will hear your name listed along with the other awesome Geeks of the Week right here next week. Let me make a last Last minute edition, David Cathy, because he always shares it and he shares it from Stitcher so it doesn't show up on the share list. But David Cathy, you're awesome. Sure is. Looking forward to seeing him at Rockin' Pod this year. Speaking of Rockin' Pod, in case you've been living under a rock, in case this is the first time that you've ever listened to the Decibel Geek podcast, let me tell you about the hottest rock and roll party of the summer. Yep, I'm talking about Rockin' Pod. Right here in Nashville, Tennessee, August 6th through the 8th. That's right, so much rock and roll. We gotta have the entire weekend to do it. And how are we gonna do it? We're gonna kick it off Friday night with an awesome party. We're all getting together. We're gonna have Ron Keel come out, do some stuff. Rock United's gonna be there. We're doing the rare hair thing. Chris, you just went to a rare hair show, the first one in over a year. Yeah, it was amazing. It was great. To, it was like a family reunion or the first day of school. It was very different. It was nice to be around so many people, a little weird at the same time, but uh, had a blast. Ty- Tyson Leslie had over 100 musicians participate, and uh, he'll do it again for us in uh, August. Nice. And in case you don't know what Rare Hair is, Rare Hair is where Tyson Leslie will put together these shows, and he will find all kinds of different musicians and partner them up with each other, and they will do awesome rock songs. So when you're talking about Rockin' Pod weekend, 
wow, there's a lot of really cool rockers in town, and you just never know who you're going to see up on the stage. Odds are, it's going to be some rock and pod guests up there doing some very special, one-of-a-kind, once-in-a-lifetime performances. You can be there to witness it. And if that ain't awesome enough, which it is, but not for Rock and Pod Weekend, there's more. The big debut of Resist and Bite. Resist and Bite's a band. We've had them on the show before. We had a good time talking to them because it's Tommy Skio's band. Yeah, that's right, the old guitar player from Tesla. He's got a new band. It's called Resist and Bite. They're freaking awesome, and they're going to be busting out all their new tunes for us. Basically, the debut of the band live that night, Friday night. That would be a great weekend party in itself, but no, there's more. Because when that's over, you can go back to your hotel room, which hopefully you're smart. You went to rockandpod.com, got yourself a hotel room in with the rest of us. There's a rock block of hotel rooms where we're all staying together. You want to be a part of that party, you get yourself a hotel room. It's going to be great. You go back, get a nice rest, wake up in the morning. Now it's time for the main event, Rockin' Pod 2021. We've got so many awesome guests coming. We're going to have vendors there. They're going to have albums, CDs, T-shirts, posters, all kinds of cool stuff, and it's all geared towards rockers. Yeah, this is Nashville, Tennessee, but you're not going to find any country stuff at Rockin' Pod. So if you got something missing from your collection and you can't find it anywhere, pretty good chance you're probably going to find it and some other things that you didn't even know about that you just got to have, and it's going to be at Rockin' Pod. Plus the guests, man. Tell them who's coming. Oh, God, there's so many people coming. We've got, like, let me, let me touch on some of the some of the main ones to start off with. Um, you know, we're doing Rock Mag, and that's nostalgic for the Rock magazines. But if you grew up with MTV, uh, you'll recognize these names. Mark Goodman, one of the original VJs. Ricky Rackman, who hosted Headbangers Ball. Matt Penfield hosted 120 Minutes and did so many other things. Um, all three of them are going to come. They're going to meet fans. They're going to do a panel about their time at MTV. Also, our good buddy Ron Keel is going to be there performing the night before and also being at the expo. Billy Sheehan from Mr. Big, David Lee Roth Band. Uh, of course, Resist and Bite will have a table there. Don Jameson from that metal show. Craig Gass, Courtney cronin Dold, who's our good friend. Uh, Roxy Blue is going to going to be there, and they're going to perform acoustically. Uh, Ace Von Johnson from L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat. Uh, Pamela DeBar, who wrote I'm With the Band, you know, fa- very famous groupie, and she's a podcaster as well. Um, we'll have three members of Accept, Christopher, Philip, and uh, Martin, nice. the bass player. The, the, the Talisman, which includes Ryan, Jeremy, and Phil from Ace Fraley's band that just got announced opening for Alice Cooper, they're going to perform acoustically. Um, also, Jason Beeler from Saigon Kick is coming back, Paul Taylor from Winger. I had uh, announced Anthony Quarter before, but now I found out that the entire band Tora Tora is going to be there also. Sweet. Yeah, I'm excited to see them. And then there's more. Walter Egan's coming back this year. He was at the first Rockin' Pod. Um, you know, it's just tons of people, and I've got a few more guests up my sleeve that I'm going to announce soon. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of people there, and uh, it should be a whole lot of fun. That's right. So there you have all the rock and also... We're going to supply the pod because we've got podcasters that love rock music from all over the entire country coming to Nashville that weekend to be on site. You can watch your favorite podcaster interview one of your favorite rock stars. You can stand there and watch it happen. No one says you can't. 
You can do it. You can talk to your favorite podcasters, buy them a beer, hang out with them, tell them how much you love the show, you know, spend time with the people that spend time in your ears every single week because they're going to be there live and in person. Including us. Rockin' Pod 2021. That's right. Including the Decibel Geek podcast. And we're counting on seeing a lot of our friends there because we are here to party with you. Yeah, we're going to be putting in the work that weekend to make sure everybody's having an awesome time. But don't mistake, we are here to party, and that's what we're going to do as well. So rockandpod.com, that's where it's all at. That's where you can get your hotel room and find out about who's all going to be there. It's going to be awesome. I mean, Chris has already announced so many awesome people going to be there. I know, just like every other year, right up to the last minute, he's got tricks up his sleeve, this guy. Well, I don't know about up to the last minute, but we'll see. I mean, but you never know who's going to show up. I mean, uh, yeah, there's always people that there's people that aren't actually guests that are famous that just end up walking in. So you never know. That's right. Because when you got all these awesome rock stars there, you know, there's awesome rock stars that live here in Nashville. And they might say, oh, my old Mm -hmm. friend Billy Sheehan's going to be at this thing. Well, I'm going to come out and go say hi to him. You know, it's like that one year we're standing around and there's Raven. They weren't announced to be there. They were playing a show that night, and so they just showed up to come say hi to everybody and hang out and have a good time. So, I mean, that's a perfect example right there. You just don't know who's going to be there. Even the people that aren't on the guest list are worth meeting. And plus, you get to hang out with all kinds of rock and rollers. Everybody's there for the same reason, to celebrate rock music and to have a good time. And I promise, I promise you that you will have a good time at Rockin' Pod this year. So join us. For the party of the summer, rockandpod.com. That's all your information. You ready to pick out your magazine? Yep, let's do it. What do you got? What are we doing? We are going to do the May 1995 issue of Metal Edge Magazine. Man, I loved Metal Edge Magazine when I was a kid, man. There was a good period in my life where I always made sure I had the money one way or another, no matter what I had to do to get the new metal edge magazine because i mean back then the internet 95 i mean that stuff really wasn't happening yet you know so it wasn't like you could just go online and see you know the latest concert photos or you know hear the latest stories in the world of rock you know you had to wait until a magazine came out so you could get all your information about the latest happenings you know there was no podcasts not 1995 not that i'm aware of anyway Mm -mm. And so, you know, Metal Edge was probably my favorite one because it was quick and it seemed like they were on the case and they had all the information about all the bands. I mean, even in 95, when things are starting to change, you know, music is different. I mean, even if you look at the cover of this, you got Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Megadeth, Kicks is even on here, Queensryche, Extreme. But you also got Eddie Vedder on here, and you also got Soundgarden. So, you know, interesting time for rock magazines and rock music in general because things are kind of on the change a little bit. Here you go, three killer centerfolds, Aerosmith, Van Halen, and STP. Yeah, this is an interesting one to go over because for me personally, May of 95, that was the month that I graduated high school. So it's a... Kind of interesting to think back on that time and what was popular at the time and also what wasn't popular. But like this is Metal Edge did take a bit of a downturn after this because they they started going, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses where in this magazine you've got kicks still getting, you know, coverage. 
and you've got you know some you've got some of our favorites tesla still getting coverage and here jackal is also but they did move away from a lot of these bands pretty shortly after the at, after around this time yeah i do remember the point when the rock magazines weren't quite as fun as they used to be yeah it's an interesting hodgepodge in this issue too because you've got the grunge and you've got metal and you've got some of the you know skid row aerosmith bon jovi that you know were the mainstays that made it through but it's a i mean even trickster and ugly kid joe get mentions on the on the cover of this thing so it, it's an interesting mix of bands yeah this should be a fun one to go through i'm almost 99 percent certain that i had this magazine because i would have been out of high school for a year that yeah. means i was working that means i had money that means I was buying Metal Edge. I think I still had a subscription around this time, so I'm sure I had it, too. It, some of the pictures look very familiar to me. Who's got money for milk? I need the new Metal Edge magazine. <laughs> <laughs> We're adults now, right? <laughs> All right, I guess let's flip this thing open, since we already got the teaser of what's going on, what we're going to see, and what's the first thing we got here? It's a single-page pinup of Slash. Yeah, I can tell that picture was taken by Niels Lozauer. Yeah, yeah, he took a lot. The he took a lot of shots on the roof of his photography studio, and I can tell that's where it was taken. Okay, right on. Let's see, nineteen ninety five was Slash on drugs. Probably still at that point. Looks like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely looks like it. But look at the next page. <laughs> oh, the complete, total opposite of that. It's Bon Jovi in church. Yeah, I don't know what this picture is. <laughs> it's, uh, he, uh, it's John after he cut his hair, and he's wearing like a like some kind of button-up vest and blue jeans. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I need something pretty in the background. Yeah. I love the, I actually really enjoy Bon Jovi's output musically at this point, but boy, it was not a good look for him. Well, he was trying to kind of distance himself from everything that had come before. You know, Bon Jovi, they were the kings of the pinups, you know, especially John Bon Jovi, because the girls loved him so much because he had such sappy ballads and things like that, that, you know, the chicks were huge into Bon Jovi. But, you know, it was the big giant hair and all that. You know, he they were the epitome of the 80s, you know, really. But by 95, you know, some of these bands had to kind of change their style in order to keep up with the new thing coming on. Even though, you know, grunge and Bon Jovi are about polar opposite as they get. But, you know, they're trying to be relevant, I guess, you know. And what's more, what makes you stand out and be more relevant in 1995 than cutting off your long hair? Yeah, Metallica was soon to follow. Look, we're hip and cool. Mm-hmm. Well... Let's go to the next page. Here's a couple of dudes that won't cut their hair, and they're looking pretty damn cool in this photo. Talking about the one and only Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. Look, Gene Simmons wearing a T-shirt of his favorite rock artist himself. (laughs) (laughs) This was uh, right around the time they were making Carnival of Souls. I was sure glad when Kiss started looking cool again, you know. Mm -hmm. For a long time, it wasn't really easy to be the kiss fan because like all my like the same old story all your friends start getting into megadeth and pantera and slayer and stuff like that and so the way kiss was looking crazy nights era you know doesn't really stand up to stuff like that but 
in 95, man, Kiss looking pretty awesome. They got the leather jackets. You know, they're not all pastels and neon colors. And, you know, they're looking like a metal band here. I like that. <laughs> no, they were changing with the times, too. Um, but thankfully, they, they did it the right way. Yeah. How awful would that have been if Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons would have cut their hair in 95? Oh, uh, that would have been strange. Really strange. Kiss never cut their hair. Let it be written. Why don't we go to page eight where they have a uh, Skid Row in Vancouver out article about them recording Subhuman Race. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a polarizing record for a lot of Skid Row fans. I uh, I know some people love it and some people hate it. I'm not. I'm kind of in between. I don't really love it much, um, but I'm not a bit. I'm overall. I'm not a big fan of this album. What about you? It's not my favorite Skid Row album by no means, but I mean, what you got three to choose from from the original lineup. But when it came out, I didn't feel any differently about it. You know, it seemed like it was a progression from the first, the debut album, the self-titled, to a little bit heavier with Slave to the Grind, and then I thought this one took it even heavier but still did some of the same stuff like they did on slave to the grind where if they did have a song that was kind of ballady it was still pretty deep and heavy in its own way you know it's not like you know i remember you you know the in on slave to the grind the ballads became deeper you know what i mean yeah and i think they kind of followed that with subhuman race i loved subhuman race when it came out you know not as much as the first two especially not as much as Slave to the Grind, which to me is one of the all-time greatest albums of all time. Subhuman Race doesn't really stand up to that, you know? Still a great album, packed full of great songs. One thing I didn't like about it, though, is I was I remember when they were making it, and they had mentioned that Bob Rock was going to come in and produce, and I was excited because of everything he'd done with, you know, Motley Crue and Metallica. Yeah. But I didn't really like his production work on this record. I don't think it sounds as... It certainly doesn't sound anywhere near as good to me, production-wise, as what Michael did with uh, with the first two records. But you got to remember, you know, Michael Wagner told us the same thing. Around this time, everybody, I mean, everybody, even Ozzy said, I want to sound more like Soundgarden, you know? And right. I think that's kind of the production you get on Skid Row's Subhuman Race, where, I don't know, it, it lacks the punch, that yeah. slave to the grind had for sure but the songs were good i don't know skid row was one of those bands it's too bad they couldn't have survived it they were one of the bands that i thought for sure would because they had kind of a street cred to them where you know somebody that was into pantera or megadeth or slayer would say you know fuck motley crew fuck kiss fuck poison but skid row they're pretty cool i i, I like skid row mm-hmm. you know so they always had that kind of they were still edgy enough and not over the top glam where yeah. they were still acceptable because they were still heavy. You know, Skid yeah. Row was a damn heavy band, especially you listen to Subhuman Race. Some of the guitar work on there is right creeping up to thrash metal almost. Yeah. I mean, they would kind of get a pass from a lot of people because from being part of that era. But, but yeah, and I, you know, that's the thing where. You know, credibility-wise, I think they got more of a pass, especially because of how they did Slave to the Grind, where they went heavier with it. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting period of time, and everything seems all cool in the gang in this article. But uh, as we all know, you know, the, the band was falling apart at this point, at least with, with uh, Sebastian Bach. 
Yeah, so even if Skid Row would have survived the great purge of the 90s, the band itself wouldn't have survived. So, I mean, I guess you get what you get either way. Yeah, but there's a lot of it's a it's a very extensive article and a lot of good pictures of the band working on the record. So it's it's worth looking at. Uh, and then I notice you go to page uh, thirteen, and uh, you've got an ad for Scott Collier, the drummer for Brother Kane, for an ad for Pearl Drums. That's I, bro, I loved Brother Kane back in this time. Me too. They were so good, and they were from uh, Birmingham, Alabama, I believe. They were kind of a southeastern band. Of course, Damon Johnson's been on the show before. Um, but this was around, this was about a year after I saw them open for Kiss at the Gibson Guitars show. And Brother Kane was banned, you know, even at this time. I mean, they were getting airplay. They had hit songs. You know, rock was still, you know, because there was a big divide. You know, there really was. There was the people that were loyal to what had come before, you know, everything that led up to this point. And then there was the the people that jumped off of that stuff and are like, no, I don't like those bands no more. Now I like this, you know? Right. And I was always one that stuck with what I liked, you know, and it didn't matter to me if it was popular or if people thought it was cool or whatever. But I, there was a lot of bands that I was resistant to that were new and coming out. But, I mean, there was no denying Soundgarden. There was no denying Alice in Chains. And when I hear Brother Kane on the radio, I go, okay, I like this. You know, there you can't hate the new stuff. That's why I can never understand people like, oh, I liked that yesterday, but I don't like it anymore. But now I like this. And if you don't like this, then you're, a, you know, you're stuck in the 80s. I used to yeah. hear that shit all the time. Aaron, you're stuck in the 80s. And I'm oh, like, I did oh, too. No, I like, you know, I like Brother Kane. You know, I like some of these new bands. And Brother Kane was kind of uh, in between, you know. Well, they, they were they were kind of a throwback to the 70s. I mean, they're very 70s Southern rock sounding. Yeah. So it know. wasn't like, you know, Brother Kane was grunge rock or anything. They Not didn't come all. from Seattle. <laughs> they were something way different. And maybe that's why they didn't last maybe as long as they should have. Because they were so different that it wasn't something that you could say, oh, this is trending. You know, this is what's cool. This is because they they were as good as they were. And like I said, they had some hit singles that were getting played on the radio. That's where I first heard them. And but they were different. You know, you couldn't lump them in with anything. So I know maybe that's why they kind of got forgotten a little bit. Mm -hmm. We'll go to page 14. The, the 14 and 15 is like a the live and kicking section. And this was, you know, this was a cool little feature in Metal Edge, especially in the 80s, because it was like all these great glammed out bands and, you know, everything looked pretty uniform. This does not look uniform. This shows how much of a transitional time it was when you look at who's in this. Yeah, you got Eddie Vedder, John Bon Jovi, Steven Tyler. Hey, there's my man, Gilby Clark. And some guy named Slash. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, Aerosmith, they didn't change at all. They looked just the same as they ever did. Oh, yeah. And then you got Wyland from Stone Temple Pilots and Dave Mustaine from Megadeth and Rob Zombie and Wa yeah. Janie Lane from Warren and, and is tough in 1995 in a magazine. Nice. That's now you wild. know you're reading Metal Edge. <laughs> Jerry Miller always treated those, those guys really good. Eh, they were hard-working mother truckers out there, you know, trying to make it happen. They were scratching and clawing at something, trying to make it big. And I, you got to believe that Jerry Miller, you know, maybe reluctantly, you know, said, okay, well, we got to have Stone Temple Pilots. We got to have Pearl Jam because the shit's so popular, you know. But I still love bands like 
Guns N' Roses and Tough and Warrant, you know, so they got a place here too. But if you look at this, I mean, you think 95, that's so weird. Stone Temple Pilots, Megadeth, White Zombie, Warrant, and Tough, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's like an Identity Crisis magazine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little something for everybody, I guess. That's wild. Oh, man. What else you got in here? Candlebox, Pride and Glory, Pantera, Jackal, and Testament. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, Zach Wilde with no facial hair. That's going back a ways. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, he's so young. Wow. It's, uh, it's an interesting mix of people. And then, of course, the next page is a uh, advertisement for PV Electronics. It's Eddie Van Halen standing on top of his 5150 amplifier. And uh, strange time for Eddie Van Halen, looks-wise. He chopped all his hair off around this time. Yeah, man, that's... You know, and you look back on that, that was kind of a big deal, you know. Oh, it was. Were people getting their hair cut, you know, because up to this point, it was like, I'll never cut my hair, you know. It was like a badge of honor. I'm a, you can look at a person and tell they're a rock and roller because they have long hair. Then all of a sudden, you know, you look at Eddie Van Halen right here. I mean, he's got, it's, it's short, you know. He's got really short hair, and it's like, I remember because I was still pretty young, you know, figure 18 years old yeah 19 maybe yeah may yeah would have been turning 19 so to me having long hair was still a badge of honor you know you kind of had to have long hair because you wanted to be known as a rocker Mm -hmm. and it's like wait a minute you know all these people that you looked up to and thought you know these guys are rock and rollers mom and dad and they'd never cut their hair and you know i want an earring like this guy and all that and then all of a sudden wait a minute all my heroes that i thought were steadfast rockers are now all of a sudden all cutting their hair off what the hell is happening (laughs) it was a weird thought and like eddie went from looking like the ultimate guitar hero to looking like the guy that changed the carburetor on my car yeah i mean it looks like a mechanic in this picture (laughs) yeah strange times man 95 wow and then uh, the next page is a, a very long article interview with David Elveson from Megadeth uh, when they were touring. I think they were touring behind Euthanasia in 95, if I'm correct. There's some long-haired rockers for you. Yeah, they kept their look for the most, although they changed a little bit around the risk record, but not too much. Yeah. You got a little advertisement in here for L.A. Guns' Vicious Circle. Yeah, I, I was wondering what you were going to think of that. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. I mean... I was excited for it. <laughs> I don't know how many other people in 95 were really excited for a new L.A. Guns album, but if they weren't, they missed out because Vicious Circle is a killer album. Yeah, it says crime in L.A. just went up. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. Polydor put that album out. Hmm. I, always, I didn't know who put that record out. Whoever would, I guess, yeah. in 95. That's a real bummer because, you know, people were big fans of L.A. Guns in the late 80s, and now, today, they're pretty damn popular again. But in the 90s, I mean, nobody was buying these albums, you know, especially knowing that, you know, this was, like, still mostly... This was Phil and Tracy, you know, on this. So there was a lot of delusion of L.A. Guns because what Tracy had done was getting new singers and... You know, trying out different things, especially that weird-ass American hardcore album and trying to be Pantera and things like that. But if you're a fan of the old-school L.A. Guns, you ought to check out this one. And uh, Man in the Moon is another really good one. 
there was a handful of albums in the 90s that LA Guns came out with that were really, really good. You see on this uh, on this advertisement, it's interesting. It says produced and engineered by Jim Wirt, and but it says Crystal Eyes, the song, produced and recorded by Michael James Jackson. Oh wow! From Kiss fame. That's weird. I wonder why he only produced the one song on the album. I don't know. That's interesting. And then it says for more information, write Hollywood Vampires, and it has the Sunset Boulevard address. And then it says or dial up America Online. Oh yeah, America Online. Yeah, 95. <laughs> it's just all starting to happen. It's the very beginning of the internet right there. Well, here's a nice picture of Queensryche. Look at Jeff Tate. He looks so clean and proper with his nice haircut. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with these guys? He looks like he's ready to go to a stock traders meeting. Yeah. Man, I hated that. That bothered the shit out of me when I was that age. And, you know, I guess it's because I'm young at that time, but... If Ace Fraley would have cut his hair, I'd have been horrified. I think everyone would have been horrified. <laughs> I can't imagine Ace with short hair. That's got to be a weird... Well, I guess he did it around the Elder, but he was wearing makeup around that time. Yeah, but the, yeah, the Queens... Was this when Promised Land came out, I think? Yeah, I think this is around the time Promised Land came out. And, that, and I tuned out on this band right, pretty much right away when this record came out. Yeah. I just didn't like it. And I, and I hadn't really liked much since it, to be honest with you. Like, well, I can't rock that hard. This guy got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think he was still just pulling his long hair back in a oh, ponytail. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slick back ponytail times. But Jeff Tate's a weird bird. <laughs> um, so then yeah, you've got a advertisement for six Metallica special magazines. That tells you how big they were at yeah. that time. I remember all those. Get them now before they also cut their hair. Oh, too late. They did. So let's check out the metal wire. Um, before we get into the metal wire, I'd just like to put this out there to the listeners that were around in 95 and before. Was it as weird to you as it was to me to see all your favorite rock stars cutting their hair? Or was it no big deal? I mean, looking back now, I can say, well, I mean, they're still the same guys. They still rock. They just got their hair cut. Who cares? But at the time, it was really weird to me, and I really, really didn't like it. It seemed like selling out for a rock star, uh, you know, somebody that you're, you love and respect to have cut their hair. So in the comment section, for me, because I'm curious to know, Am I crazy, or were you guys feeling the same way about this? I'd really like to know that. I felt the same way you did. Yeah. I I didn't like it either. I was like, you're supposed to look like a rock guy. Have your hair long. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it seemed like betrayal. I mean, I know that sounds silly now as an adult, but at the time it felt like, I don't know, like selling out, like betrayal to me. I don't know. All of this on the metal wire, the first thing. Could Zach Wilde be joining Guns N' Roses? Well, we know that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't even remember that rumor. Yeah, I don't remember ever hearing that either. Oh, it says uh, somebody with the management had confirmed that he was jamming with GNR. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I guess know. this would have been around the time that it's 5 o'clock somewhere come out, because that's where you get the picture of Gilby Clark jamming with Slash. That must have been them doing shows off of that album, so that would have been on the time, like a downtime for Guns N' Roses. So maybe Axel was out trying to find a replacement for him. Yeah, looks like they did a. Uh, there's a photo of Slayer here holding uh, gold albums. Says they celebrated the solid gold sales of of their four album catalog, four million records total, at a party thrown by American Recordings at Hollywood's Magic Castle. Huh. Right on. 
That's cool. And then they uh, broke out uh, the knives and they sacrificed a goat. But uh, <laughs> here's to a million more. Yeah. Bah. And then there's a, a little thing on Slaughter. Slaughter has signed with CMC International Records and will issue Fear No Evil on April 18th. Hmm. Tough times, man. Yeah. At CMC, they they release a lot of albums by bands that. I guess were considered to be washed up at that time, but I still bought all those albums, all the weird warrant albums that came out after their heyday, slaughter albums. Uh, this Fear No Evil is a pretty good album. Yeah, it just got uh, our friend Jason Herndon, who hosts the Kiss My Collectibles. He does that uh, Kiss My Wax Records because he works in the record industry, and they just uh, announced that they read uh, like a re release of fear no evil on vinyl with like a booklet and everything oh that's cool i can't imagine there were too many vinyl copies of that made in 95 i don't know if there were any back then probably not might, might have just been cd alone but uh yeah it's out on vinyl it's a pretty cool looking package they put together so if you're a fan of that record you might want to buy it and that's the other thing too you got to remember in 1995 lps were dead like they would tell you you know lps are over they're never going to come back they're never going to be popular again Boy, were they wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were, there weren't a lot of people buying them. And I, I think it was 95 when Soundgarden's Down on the Upside came out. And I bought it on vinyl. And I, I still had a record player at the time. And I don't know why I wanted to buy it on vinyl because I really wasn't even using my record player. I think I just was like, this looks cool. I'm going to buy vinyl just to be weird. And I wound up selling it for like four times what I paid for it a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it would no nobody else bought it. Everybody was buying CDs, right? Because even back then, in like '95, if you had a record collection and you said, "Okay, I'm not doing this no more," there's no point in having a record collection, because I mean, when I was young, everybody knows the story. I got my uncle Bruce's LPs, you know, his Kiss records, and so that was my thing. It was like my collection. So when something new would come out, I'd want to get it on LP. And then it got to the point where it was like, you know, I don't even know if I can get this on LP, you know? So I kind of had to give it up. And at the, around that time, if you said, okay, well, I'm going to take my old record collection. I'm going to take it to the, you know, used album store and trade them in and get some CD money. They wouldn't give you shit for the LPs. You know, that's, that was, it was considered dead. Yeah. You get laughed out of the store. Man, I wish I had a stack of those albums now to go cash in. But then I guess nowadays I wouldn't be cashing them in. I'd be keeping them. Right. And there's an article on Lita Ford with an al- about an album she made called Black that was released on ZYX Records from Germany. Do you remember this record? I don't. Uh-uh. I don't have any memory of this album at all. <laughs> I need to check it out. Yeah. That might be something weird that maybe we never really heard about in the States. But then again, you know, it was 1995. So, you know, not a lot of people were probably excited about Lita Ford in 95. But who knows? It could be her best album ever, but nobody's ever heard it. And it mentions um, that the video for the first single, Killing Kind, was filmed in Nashville. I should look that up because you know it didn't get played on MTV at that time. No, that should, yeah, that'd be interesting to check out. I'm going to have to keep my eyes open for that album because I'd like to hear it. It's weird the stuff you learn from going back to these old magazines because yeah. I have no memory of this record coming. And I thought I kept up with stuff pretty well. This was around the time she hooked up with Jim Gillette and they got married. So And then she kind of went on a hiatus forever. Look at down below there, uh, advertisement for the band Solinger. 
how prophetic is that right after a skid row article yeah they must have been looking at this magazine when it came out and said you know this solinger guy is pretty good you know if if, if something don't ever work out maybe we get rid of this guy we could maybe get that guy yeah i'd like to hear some of that old solinger but you know i've got that massive cd want list that i'm always trying to fulfill and I got some Solinger on there, but I don't never see it anywhere. And anytime I've tried to look it up online, because I actually like the stuff that he did with Skid Row. You know, I know mm-hmm. nobody else really does, but I kind of well, like Thick that. Thick Skin's stuff. pretty good record. Thick Skin's pretty good. Revolutions per minute's got some great songs on it. The dude's a hell of a singer, so I always thought, you know, whatever he was doing before Skid Row was probably pretty good. I've always yeah. wanted to hear it, but like I said, you know, if you can find it online, it's usually pretty damn expensive because I can imagine it's kind of a rarity nowadays. Well, you just got to make your checker money out order to Solinger P.O. Box 822. <laughs> I'm just, um, I'll just so call the number ad. and add it and yeah. order it. And it says, catch Solinger's video on the Playboy Channel's Hot Rocks. <laughs> wow. Look, the Playboy Channel used to run rock videos. Yeah? Yeah. So I only watch Playboy Channel for the rock videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honest, Mom, give me the subscription. Yeah. it's I'm just here for the music, that's all. It's only 100 uh, bucks a month. All right. And then the next page has a uh, thing about Gilby Clark on tour for Pawn Shop Guitars. That's a great album. Yeah, Three-fourths of Cheap Trick at the at the show, it looks like. Yeah. That's cool, man. I was excited when that album came out. I actually was a, that's what made me become a big fan of Gilby Clark was that album. Cause obviously, you know, you know him from Guns N' Roses. And so when that was coming out, I being a big Guns N' Roses fan, I was like, I want to check this out. And then I heard the song Cure Me or Kill Me on the radio. And that song's got such a killer guitar riff to it. It's got such a great hook and Gilby Clark's tone is right on the money man awesome guitar player awesome songwriter he's got a new one out called the gospel truth that should be coming up to my mailbox any day now because i ordered it and uh yeah but this was the album that kicked off my gilby clark fandom because (laughs) it's it's got some really great stuff on it. it's a very underrated album i recommend it highly i got uh i'm looking in the article there's a uh interesting kiss bit of news here that i don't think i've ever heard about and that's saying something says just returned from a tour of japan and australia i remember that 95 kiss is back in the studio at work on a new album with producer bob ezrin Hmm. between its completion and release the band plans to do an unplugged tour in conjunction with their official kiss conventions details soon what huh that is weird yeah because i mean like you said this would have been carnival of souls time but Bob Ezrin wasn't involved in that, that I'm aware of. I don't think Ezrin wasn't anywhere near them around this time. That's really strange. Hmm. If you know something about this, leave it. Leave some uh, comments in our on our Facebook page because I've never. This is a Kiss factoid I have never heard about. That that had to have just been a rumor because I don't think that ever happened. I suppose Metal Wire. It's kind of like the rumor section of the Metal Edge. Yeah, I guess so. Unless there's something about Kiss that even Chris Sinzak doesn't know. I'm a little blown away by this. I'm kind of like, what? I got to start looking in these old metal edges for uh, Beat the Geek questions. Yeah, you probably find some good stuff in there because that, that's new to me. And then uh, there, it's like there's a little blurb about uh, Saigon Kick. Bassist Chris McLernan is ecstatic about Saigon Kick's new material, which they're recording in Tampa, Florida. 
Some Rock and Pod stuff I haven't announced. Chris McLernan is coming to Rock and Pod. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yep, he's going to be here. If you didn't get your Saigon Kick stuff signed last time. You get two of them now. Perfect. Now you get both of them. Then Aerosmith doing a uh, show in Boston at Mama Ken's for uh, Get a Grip. Our, the MTV covered that. I remember there being like a special about this. They were huge at that time. Couldn't get away from them. Yeah. Yeah, that's always wild how some bands survive and some don't. You know, and Aerosmith, I mean, they really didn't, they, I don't know, they didn't really conform to anything. They still did their own thing. But, I mean, people gravitated towards it. Like, people that didn't give two shits about 70s Aerosmith became massive fans of the band in the 90s. It's it's wild the way that works sometimes. Yeah. Then on the next page, you've got a article, little small article on Ugly Kid Joe there. I love that band. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> hey, did you see, I saw, I saw something I was reading the other day that uh, Whitfield Crane was one of the lucky few in the whole world that got one of those bullets from Lemmy. Oh, really? With his ashes in it, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So next time somebody tells me that somebody's favorite band is better than Ugly Kid Joe, I'd say... Let me see the bullet. Do they got a <laughs> Lemmy bullet? I don't think so. Ugly Kid Joe does. Yeah. And then there's the an ad for hotlines for bands. Remember those? Yeah. What, 99 cents a minute or something like that? Yeah, it doesn't say. It just has their numbers. And, and of course, you got like Sla- Slaughter Tough. You've got some of you got bands of pariahs on here. And then... uh You've got Native Tongue LA. Some of these bands I've never even heard of. Hmm. There's a band called Stain, which I'm thinking is not the same as the one that became the grunge band. Uh, Floyd's Funk Revival. (laughs) I remember (laughs) that. That was like uh, after South Gang, but before... What was the other band that uh, Butch Walker was in? Marvelous Marvelous 3. Marvelous 3, yeah. That was kind of the the transition between those two bands. Yeah, that's a Butch Walker thing. I had no idea. That's on my CD list. It's bold. I've always wanted to hear that, and I can't find it anywhere. Shit, I've never even heard of the band. That's amazing. Floyd's Funk Revival. La Compte. Don't remember them. The Crying. I don't know. Bobby Rock had his own phone number. Kicking Harold. Black Bart. Yeah, some of these bands I've never even heard of. I doubt they got too many calls. Blue Murder's on there. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's wild. I wonder if that was just some pre-recorded thing. Hey, thanks for calling our hotline. This is Slaughter, you know. We got new music coming out. We're going on tour. These are the tour dates, you know. Yeah. Or do you call and Blas Elias answers the phone? Hello? <laughs> Speaking of drummers on the next page, it's about there's an article about Trickster getting a new drummer. I think I'll pass on that one. Page 35 has a... Uh, concert calendar it's interesting to see who was touring at this time ugly kid joe dog eat dog and goldfinger toured together huh i don't even know those other two bands jimmy page and robert plant were touring at that time todd zilla was at the memphis show he delivered a an acoustic guitar to robert that's right look in the archives for that story pantera and typo negative toured together I bet you that was awesome. Yeah. Steve Perry was touring at this time still, so it's before he went into hiding. Uh, Bloodline? Do you remember a band called Bloodline? No. 
I don't remember them either. Extreme was touring and Tesla was touring. Tesla's never stopped touring. No, they're still touring nonstop all the time. The Rock on the Rise has Bad Moon Rising. You remember them? No. Well, they were opening for Mike Tramp's Freak of Nature at that time. Hmm. Matahari. I remember the name. I don't think I've ever heard their music. They were they were mentioned. Big Bang Babies, I do remember them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember them, too. I think I remember them being something I liked at that time. Uh, Carrie Kelly was in that band. Maybe that's why. Thimble? Thimble. I'm going to see Thimble tonight. It's <laughs> a new one to me. The Mustard Seeds. Hmm. That sounds familiar, but I can't. I don't know what. And I love that they were still trying to hawk, Metal Edge was still trying to hawk off all those extra poison special magazines in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they must have printed a shit ton of those things. We've got a surplus. <laughs> they got to go. <laughs> and the Motley Crue ones, too. Those, those magazines were like eight years old by that point. Wow. And they were still selling them. <laughs> and then Collector's Issues, Bon Jovi. There's a Kiss one. I had that Kiss one. A talking watch. Sounds uh-huh. wonderful. Yep. You don't have to see the time. You can hear the time. Reminds you of things to do you'll never forget. <laughs> it's called a Fitbit now. Yeah. And they like the rock jewelry. You could get the marijuana leaf necklace. Yeah. You get to want one of those. But thankfully, unlike 1984, no swastikas. Yeah. They they had grown up a little bit better. <laughs> Marijuana leaf, totally fine. Swastika, <laughs> come on, people, grow up. Let's see the Star Trek magazines. This was when the rockers from the 80s that were kids and thought they were being controversial grew up and like, what was I thinking? Like they got the track-by-track breakdown of the skid roasts of human race. Mm-hmm. He skipped over the Elvis watch. <laughs> $7.95. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this wow. is the official Elvis watch in two gorgeous designs. In Metal Edge magazine, no less. Yeah, I don't think they sold too many of those. No, things. I don't think you're moving a lot of Elvis watches with the buyers of Metal Edge in 95. <laughs> Whether you like Ugly Kid Joe or Soundgarden. Right. Oh, this is interesting on uh, page 48. There's the birthday list, and you can see what the age of the people were turning that in may of 95 wow so so stevie rochelle was turning 29 yeah jason newstead was 32 brett michaels was 32 d snyder turned 40 that year wow and that's a long time ago too scott gorm from thin lizzy was only 42 at that time wow donnie v was 29 already yeah steven tyler turned 47 and we thought he was old then yeah Billy Sheehan turned 42. Meet Billy Sheehan at Rockin' Pod in August. Just saying. Yeah, it's pretty wild to look back on that stuff. You know, we were so young. There's uh, Jackal ripping off Bon Jovi posing in front of a church. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. They look cool, though. Yeah. Jesse James Dupree pulling off his best uh, Jim Dandy look there. He's got the fringe jacket. Yeah, white leather fringe jacket. I always thought those jackets looked cool. Maybe that makes me dated and old, but I liked it back then. Yeah, me too. And then you got a Karabi era crew picture. I don't see too many of those. That's cool, man. 
And there's Warrant, <laughs> 1995. That's yeah, not the original lineup anymore at this point. Couple of guys missing. They must have the keyboard player in here. There's six people in this photo. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Strange times for those bands. But if you look, you know, it's like, like you said, you know, you got four pinups in a row. You got Jackal, Motley Crue '94 with Karabi, Warrant. Mm-hmm. And then Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is weird because the way the page layout is, you see half of Stone Temple Pilots and then half of Van Hagar, which yeah, is, that is looks weird. like the weirdest supergroup of all time. Van Hagar dressed like somebody's mom in 1995. Yeah, I think yeah, Sammy's wearing mom jeans. Totally wearing mom jeans. Got him tucked, pulled all the way up past his belly button. Yeah, and Michael Anthony looks like a middle-aged dad. Well, they are. They're standing underneath a basketball hoop. They're watching their kids shoot hoops or something. Yeah, that's a very unrock and roll look. Very unrock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what what happened to the times when you know rock stars looked like they were in a band. You know, like somebody that was in a band. You look at him, go, oh, that guy must be in a band. Like you look at this, be like, oh, that guy must be picking up his kids from daycare. Yeah, these guys shop at the Gap. Yeah, not good. And then the centerfold is a pull-out of Aerosmith with Steven Tyler, with bare-chested as always. Yeah, that's a pretty cool picture of Aerosmith, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you have the other half of the weird supergroup, <laughs> Alex and Eddie Van Halen and the other two guys from Stone Temple Pilots. And what the fuck oh, my is, God. What, the, what is Eddie wearing? What is that sweater? Jesus it's Christ. It's like some super long sweater, but he's like holding it up in the front. It's that strange. Did he borrow that from Valerie? Looks like a woman's sweater. I don't know. know. It's that's really strange how Van Halen is dressed in this. I mean, Alex looks cool. He just got on a t-shirt and a leather jacket. That's cool. But that yeah. other three guys look really strange. <laughs> like, hey, you what? guys are doing a photo shoot. You know, try to look like rock stars, huh? No, we're not can, doing that. I can kind of see the source of Ian Ian Wadley's anger now. Yeah, not good. I mean, not only did Sammy ruin the music, he also ruined their fashion sense. It's probably his idea for them all to get haircuts. And that was his true power. He, he Delilah'd him. Oh, man. Then, We've been going for a while already. There's some cool stuff in here. More, more crazy jewelry. I love the jewelry. The large rings with the skulls on them and all that. Get the... Let's get right to the good stuff. Let's go to the mailbag. That's All always right. my favorite part of these. Yeah, there's the mailbags, very a few pages long, so there should be some good stuff in here. Somebody with questions for Tommy Lee. Let's see. She says, I'd like to know what his favorite movie, the best joke he's ever heard. If it's short enough, could you print it? What kind of humor he likes best, his favorite pastime, how he describe himself, turn-ons and turn-offs, and how does he like the Scandinavian countries? I wish him and the band all the best, Anne. And the answer was, Tommy loves a clockwork orange, English humor makes him laugh, and he likes to ride his Harley. What kind of, what, and his, the joke is, what kind of bee gives milk? A booby. <laughs> oh, That's a very Tommy Lee level joke. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't you get it? <laughs> booby. He couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't come up with words to describe himself, but he says, traffic and those silver tabs on CDs suck, and Scandinavian women rule. <laughs> I'm looking for more stuff. Oh, here's a jackal one. 
I'm hoping you can help me with my problem. I want to be a recording engineer, but I don't know how to go about it. I've written to some schools, but I don't think they have what I'm looking or working for. I'm hoping to find a school that will offer me a degree of some sort. Do you know some schools in or around St. Louis? If not, I'll take any suggestions of any school. I'm hoping that one day I will get to be an engineer on a Jackal record. Nice. <laughs> That's from Sandra. It says, we read your letter to Mike Fraser. Cool. Past guest of the show, who engineered Jackal's Push Come to Shove and has worked with Aerosmith, Metallica, Thunder, Blue Murder, and most recently ACDC and Vince Neil. And he said, forget the schools. They're a ripoff. Try to get a job at a studio as a runner. This is a low or non-paying go-for job, but it offers the all-important chance to observe and learn. The best school is full sale. There's one in Miami. Oh, yeah. But it's 15 to 20 grand, and you still have to start as a runner when you get out. In other words, save your money and try to get on the job experience. Yep, I mean, true. yeah, that it worked for him, didn't it? Yep. I mean, that's exactly where he said he came from, you know, hanging out in that studio in Canada and just learning and helping and finding opportunities, and the opportunities eventually presented themselves. And by being a part of different projects, you know, he learned things. So when the opportunity came around to do something big, he was ready for it. Yep. Here's an interesting one. I'm taking a poll on Motley Crue. Everyone is welcome to write and answer these questions. Do you think Nikki Six is responsible for Vince's leaving? And if not, what do you think the reason was? Do you think Motley Crue would be more successful if they handled the press differently or not made rude comments towards Vince? Do you think Motley Crue should have changed their name? Do you approve of John Karabi and their new music? I plan to give everyone's letters to Motley Crue so they can really see what people think. And then the Metal Edge said, we'd like to see the results, too. <laughs> Thanks, Metal Edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, who, or what are you doing, standing out front of your Kroger in your hometown and just asking people these questions? Well, she said, if you enclose a self-addressed stamp envelope, you will get a response. Supporters of the band are welcome to write. And she put her address on here. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, look this chick up on uh, Facebook and see if we can get her on the show one time to see what the results were. Yeah, it's got her full name on here, too. Yeah. Catherine Scaglione. Might look her up when we're done here. Oh, here's an interesting one. I have some questions for Glenn Danzig. I want to know a bit about what happened down under with Def Leppard. Did you beat the shit out of them? I would like to know who your influences are and is or was Jim Morrison your idol. Most important, what is your relig religious preference? Wow, mm -hmm. and he answers... He says, what, happens was, what happened was we were doing a festival and the guys from Def Leppard were being all rock starry. I was getting my food and they wouldn't get out of the way. And I was like, will you please move? And they wouldn't move. And then I said, will you get the fuck out of the way? There was like 30 of them. And it was just me and my security guy. We took them on but never got to fighting. Someone from a British magazine said they punched me and made me bloody. It never happened. Okay. I never heard about this. No, me neither. Uh, Glenn's influences range from punk to blues, Elvis to Black Sabbath. That, none of that's surprising. While he includes the late Doors frontman on his list of like singers, Jim Morrison is not an idol of mine, he says. He did have a pretty good voice, but an overweight alcoholic is not my idol. <laughs> <laughs> he says, as for your last question, I do not know what my re religious pr preference is. Hmm. I don't like overweight alcoholic, but I love overweight pill poppers. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Here's somebody asking Mark Slaughter some questions. I'm, I'm guessing this is a female. Yes, a patty. Okay. 
Uh, I have a few questions for Mark Slaughter. How does he feel about fans sitting outside his house? What would he prefer, a girl with a great personality and average looks or a very beautiful girl with hardly any personality? Something tells me Patty is the former yeah <laughs> why does um why doesn't he wear underwear what does how do you know that what does he think about breast implants if he could build the perfect woman what would she look and act like what would he do if slaughter ever broke up why doesn't he or the band do promotional appearances in philadelphia do they hate philly they never come to the east coast wow. Jesus. what do i gotta do come to your house yeah i know uh, he says they'd have to be awfully sneaky to get to my house as Mark who lives in a high security gated community. He'd go for the girl with the personality over the dull beauty and prefers natural breasts. But if it makes a woman happy, if it's something she wants to do for herself, it's okay. He finds underwear too binding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And describes his dream woman as effervescent with a good sense of humor and sexy. He won't consider the breakup idea. I don't think, I don't think that way. We're here to rock and roll for a long time, he says. While he acknowledges that Slaughter hasn't been back east in a while, they have nothing against Philadelphia. It's Tim Kelly's hometown and hope to play there this spring. <laughs> hmm. No, we don't hate your city. Well, he was right, though. Slaughter has been around for a long, long time, and they're still around today. Yep. I can't believe we didn't. we missed out on the opportunity to ask him about his underwear when we interviewed him. I know. <laughs> I never even thought about it. <laughs> Deranged, you know, minds would like to know. Yeah. Uh, and Brett Michaels questions. We were wondering if you would answer some questions for us about Brett Michaels. What kind of cologne does he wear, if any? What's his pants, shirt, and shoe size? Favorite food color, favorite food color and type of shoe. What does he look for in a lady? This is from Heather and Agnes. So Heather got her grandmother to write a letter before, I guess. Um, oh, nice. Brett favors obsession for men and Calvin Klein eternity sense. Wears size 27 or 28 pants, medium shirt, and size 9 shoe. And picks Italian food, black, and cowboy boots. He goes for somebody who sexually turns me on in the way they, can, they carry themselves. I like a woman who can carry herself in public, who knows how to act, and once we're behind closed doors, I can have a halfway meaningful conversation with her. On a bus. Hard hitting journalism here. There's the thing about Wild Side. Uh, the, oh, it says must be part of one of these long ones, but they answer three members of Wild Side Drew, Hannah, Jimmy D, and Mark Simon are still playing and recording together. An ex cohort, Brent Woods, is with, the Vince, is with Vince Neal. Jesse and Paul are working solo. No word from Steve at this time. Yeah, yeah that was short lived. And look yeah. at it by 95, that was all done. Here's one of my favorite areas, the music exchange. And I I bought a couple of things from people through here. Um, but it's like people selling like bootleg tapes and videos and stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of cassettes seeking pinup posters and even this is the internet before the internet right here. This is like Facebook early on. And then the uh more there's a there's a lot of ads for like jewelry and clothing in this one. More than usual. Metalhead directory. This was like the pen pal directory. You remember yeah, that? I sure do. <laughs> I never partook in it, but I remember. I didn't it. either. It'd be funny if I actually knew some of the people in here. I need to like look into this deeper when I have have time. Oh, let's go to the rock and roundup. These are always entertaining. Metal Edge asks, "Do you believe in love at first sight?" Uh, 
let's see some of the notable ones. Steven Tyler, yes, but only if it's based on one part intuition, two parts animal attraction, three parts lust, and four parts luck. It's a very Steven Tyler answer. Yeah. It's Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith. I suppose it's possible, just be sure it's with a human. That's a very Tom Hamilton answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a strange way to answer that question. Uh, Alice Cooper, absolutely. How could anyone take one look at me and not fall in love? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Joe Elliott. Yes, because I'm shallow. Uh, Gene Simmons. No, I believe lust happens first, and if the rest of the puzzle fits, it turns into love. That's funny. Ozzy says, absolutely, because both wives I've had. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tommy Skeo. (laughs) Not really. She can turn out to be a bitch later. Never happened to me. Yeah. Not that he remembers. Rob Halford, yes, happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's funny. Like back then, you wouldn't even thought twice that Rob Halford was talking about dudes. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dave Mustaine, inanimate objects, no. People, sometimes. My son, yes. All right. David Ellison, sure. If you're blind. <laughs> uh. Nick Menza was not in a good mood that day. Only for the weak-minded, shallow individuals. Jeez. That's not very nice. Lynn Danzig. No, I don't. I believe in chemistry. That's for, that's for sure. There are things that attract people to other people. You never know why. That's a great thing, actually. doesn't need explanation. Hmm. Sebastian Bach. Ask the second dog on a sled team. What a goober. <laughs> This is kind of funny, though. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Yeah, a lot of these are just, they're serious. They're not, some of them aren't really that funny. Yeah, a lot of them saying, I believe in lust at first sight. That's that's Vince Neal for sure. He says that. Pat Badger from Extreme says, yes, I have the Playboy channel. But I only watch it for the music videos. Yeah, that's all I did. Uh... It's the only way you can hear the new lead of Ford. Yeah, exactly. Bobby Dahl, no. I didn't see that one. <laughs> Care to elaborate? No. No. Thanks, Bobby. That's why that we never, didn't read too many Bobby Dahl interviews back in the day. It's like even Jesse James Dupree. Yeah, why not? You guys are being interviewed by a magazine. I mean, come on. Put a little effort into it. Mick Brown from Dawkins. Yes, Harley Davidson's. Richie Sambora. I do. Johnny Gielli from Hardline. Yes, it's not just a tickle in your pickle. It's something you feel all over. <laughs> a tickle in your pickle. Oh, man. Good stuff. You got the posters down here. Look, uh, Aerosmith is sold out. But you got Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Green Day, Metallica, GNR, another Metallica, Pantera, and Pearl Jam. Hmm. Heavy metal posters, only $4.98. Good luck finding a poster for that price now. Yeah, you probably won't. But yeah, this was that fun, funny in between. I mean, those are the top bands at this yeah. time. Right there. Near the back, there's a snowboarding with biohazard article. 
Nice. That sounds like fun. Because when I think of snowboarding, I think of biohazard. Ooh, there's my favorite Kiss t-shirt. The four faces all around on the page with the, uh, what's it the called? Rockabilia. Yeah, with the pink. Mm-hmm. The Kiss shirt with the, the all around shirt. Yep. Man, that thing was cool. I had to have it. In 1995, I didn't care about Nirvana. I didn't care about none of those bands. I wanted the Kiss t-shirt. That Kiss shirt's worth a lot of money now, too. Yeah? Yeah, yeah it sells for, over two, sells for over $200 on eBay regularly. Wow. And that's the funny thing about a lot of these t-shirts, because you figure, you know, anybody that bought them probably wore them to death. And so how many in good condition are still out there? You know, there's some T-shirts that are really expensive. I know when we went out to to Los Angeles that time, we went to a store that had rock T-shirts, but man, they knew what they had, you know, and so something like that is a super collector's item because it's not like an album that, you know, you played, you know, a hundred times or whatever, and it sat in your collection. I mean, you wore these shirts, you know, nobody... Nobody bought one of these shirts back then and said, I'm going to put this away and save it for the future. Right. You know, most of them got war till they got war out. Yeah, well, that's why they go for so much now. Well, although it's kind of like the end thing for millennials to do is to wear those shirts now. They've yeah. driven the price up on all of them. And then you near, near the back, you've got a, uh, a pinup of Chris Cornell standing in a cornfield. I see what they did there. What'd they do? They put Chris Cornell. Oh, <laughs> that's it. I'm out of here. No more. <laughs> Isn't it obvious? <laughs> Here's an advertisement yeah. for two bands that have issues, yeah. apparently. Uh, first band is Suicide Circus, and the next <laughs> band is Erotic Suicide. I'm, I hate to be morbid, but how weird is it that those two ads are opposite a picture of chris cornell mm. who committed committed suicide that is weird i've never heard of either of those bands me neither although suicide circus according to rip magazine is skid row meets faster pussycat so they sound right up your alley yeah i'm gonna have to add that to my cd want list and the erotic suicide tired of trends all grunged out <laughs> try the alternative to the alternative take the ride of your life through abusement park Hmm. Oh boy. I think I've heard of a band called Abusement Park, but I've never heard of Erotic Suicide. They were from Edmond, Oklahoma, it looks like. Is it a oh, warning if you're going to commit suicide, make sure it's erotic. Any other way may be hazardous to your health. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> they put a lot of thought into this advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least they were taking it seriously. It's like we want to be entertaining and fun, you know, in a in a time where a lot of these bands aren't a lot of fun, you know, look at, yeah. I mean, look at Chris Cornell. He looks so serious, you know, nobody was having fun. And this was the time when these bands said, you know, all these other old bands, you know, they took themselves so seriously with their, you know, makeup and their hair and this and that. But I mean, they really didn't, you know, the, the grunge bands were the ones that seemed like especially in retrospect now where the bands like Poison and Motley Crue were doing anything but taking themselves seriously because of the shit they were doing and the way they looked. How could they? But then you look at this picture of Chris Cornell, and and that's pretty serious right there. Yeah, but, I mean, how much fun can you have standing in a fucking cornfield? That's true. I'd be mad, too, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be pretty boring. 
be like, man, you know, when I was reading Metal Edge, when I was coming up, I'd see Poison with a bunch of half-naked women, and what, you want me to stand in front of this corn? Oh, great. Well, and then the next page is a picture of Pantera, and they look about as enthusiastic as Chris Cornell in a cornfield. That's funny. That should become a catchphrase. That's a t-shirt right there. (laughs) As excited as Chris Cornell in a cornfield. They do look like they're about to beat somebody's ass, though. They probably about to beat the cameraman's ass. Yeah. I don't know. Probably like you 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 waited till page ninety eight to put us in the magazine. You're gonna get your ass kicked. Hey guys, at least you're not in a cornfield. That's true. Then you got a rare compact disc advertisement. I used to love those too because it's like you know you look at stuff and go, I've never seen any of these anywhere, and it's all yeah. like bootleg stuff. Mm-hmm. CD warehouse and. The Pew, New York, New York. Hmm. I wonder if that's anything like the CD warehouses that are still around today. I don't know. Doubt it. And ooh, a picture of Firehouse from 1995. See, that's but gonna, don't don't they also look so serious? They do, and that's when Perry dyed his hair dark too. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't even look like him. Well, <laughs> I thought that was maybe after he was out of the band. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. No, that's him. Wow. That doesn't even look like him at all. Those were his. That was his hard drinking days too. He was he was yeah. pretty pretty bad off on the alcohol back then. That was a wild story he told about how he never really drank and then all of a sudden became an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, living that life, I mean, it's it's easy to get caught yeah. up in that. I'm sure. I'm in Firehouse. Give me a drink. Yeah. And the next page is a. Uh, little quick thing on steve perry when he was still touring and uh there's our friend paul taylor who was playing keys for him at that time paul taylor gonna be a rocking pod that's right you said it before i could <laughs> and, uh, it's a real team effort and there's an article on kicks in here about the show business album do you like that record i don't really even know that one that's another one that's on my list that i've never really heard i'm not super big on it myself but it's no. okay yeah it's uh and then this, that was right after Brian left the band. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I've been uh, checking out some of that funny money that uh, Steve's side band that's after pretty good. Kicks fell apart. That is really good. That really kind of re- it's more Kicks than what you would think a solo album. Like you, if you're in a band and you go do a solo album, you think, oh, it's going to be totally different than what you're used to. Right. But he just basically continued the whole Kicks thing. You know, yeah, some good songs on those albums. Check out the ad for Warrant. Yeah, that's the back of the magazine is a full-page ad for the Ultraphobic record. Yeah, is that CMC also? Yep, sure is. is. Yeah, the home of horrible album cover artwork. Yeah, see, that was, yeah, that album cover's weird. It's a great album. Ultraphobic's really good. I like the record, yeah. And it's sad that, you know, in, in 95, nobody gave a shit, but I bought that album the day it came out. You know, I was... Same thing. You run to the Camelot music just like you always did, you know, except now you're running past a bunch of people in flannel to get all the way down to the W's. And, <laughs> well, there's two copies of it here. You know, I'm glad I'm getting one of them. They're like, oh, did you, you're in the W section. Did you want Weezer? <laughs> like, no, I want Warrant. And they're like, what? Cherry Pie? No, the new one. There's a new one? Yeah. But I was, you know, like I said, in 95, I was, I was a weird kid because... 
as much as everybody told me, you know, you're trapped in the 80s. You're stuck in the 80s. I still cared about those bands. You know, I, I wasn't just going to throw away Warrant because, you know, they weren't getting played on M- MTV. I wasn't going to throw away a band that I liked because, you know, people weren't treating them with the same respect they had in years past. You know, that all of a sudden, like, you can't like Warrant no more because now there's Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots, you know, it's that never registered to me. And, you know, that's kind of what's cool about this Metal Edge magazine is that they kind of treated it the same way that I seen it. You know, it's like, why, what's the difference? You know, why can't I like Warrant and White Zombie, you know? Mm. And it's like they're mixing it up where it's a little bit of both, which is cool because that's the way it really should have been. You know, there's no reason why these bands couldn't coexist. There's no reason why you can't like that anymore because now it's time to like this. I never understood that and I would never accept it. You know, where I had friends that I thought, man, you guys, you know, you call me a poser because I like Warrant. But really, who's the freaking poser when you just are going to willing to just drop everything that you legitimately said you liked last week, but now all of a sudden because you're told that's not cool anymore, then you're just going to go along with it. You know, who's the real poser in this, in this equation here? And I, I could never get that, you know? So in 95, yeah, I bought Ultraphobic the day it came out and I was excited about it just as much as I had been when Dog Eat Dog came out, just as excited as I was when Skid Row came out with Subhuman Race, you know, and all these bands that were, that I loved that were still coming out with music, you know, and I, I supported them even though nobody else really did the LA guns, you know, vicious circle. I had yeah. that too, you know, when it was new and it just bummed me out at the time because it's like, how, how do you, you know, all of a sudden just, Oh, I don't like that no more. You know, when it hasn't drastically changed, you know, it's still as good as it was. And in some cases, a lot of these bands were putting out some of their best stuff in the nineties when nobody gave a shit, you know, and people missed out on a lot of good stuff because they were hip to the new thing, you know, and I, yeah. I just could never understand that. I think, and this is just a theory, but it's, it's almost like an end of decade thing because, and I'm certainly not defending disco at all because I'm not a fan of it, but look how giant disco was as the end of the seventies happened. It was huge. Yeah, And then it almost like clockwork when the decade changed over, it was like you immediately had to hate it. And there was just this backlash against it. There was even people doing disco demolition nights and stuff and blowing up disco records. But like, look at the end of the eighties with like hair metal. It was, it was huge. And then almost like clockwork, you'd go into a new decade and it, and it maybe was a couple years in more like 92 is really when it happened. But but you get what I'm saying. It was like we're in a new decade, and the powers that be have decided that this is not cool anymore, and Nirvana is the next big thing. And a lot of that is – and then it just – everything got sh- – I mean, I, I'm i just like you. I got all kinds of grief for continuing to like Dokken and Poison and Rat and Motley Crue and – and like I loved uh, like the Motley Crue record with Karabi. I kept I was try- I tried to make believers out of people with that record yeah. cuz I'm like yeah, it's not the same band. I was like listen, this is Motley Crue. This is a new re- like it's really good music and they just be like, "Oh, it's Motley Crue. I'm not even going to give it a chance." And it's right. like, "What the fuck, man?" But then I remember times of playing something where, you know, you wouldn't tell somebody what you were listening to and you'd be in your car with them and they go, "Wow, what is this?" You know, like 
oh, this is, you know, the new Vince Neil, you know, gets carved in stone. And people will be like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> exactly. I did that with, um, and I'm not, a, as everyone knows, I'm not a fan of the Psycho Circus record by Kiss, but um, I really dug the song Within because it reminded me of Carnival of Souls, you yeah. know, and I, I love that heavier sound. And I remember I was playing that for one of my friends, and he's not a Kiss fan at all. He was more into Weezer and bands like that, but um, and Metallica and Megadeth. It just Kiss was just not his thing, and I played it without telling him. He's like, "Who is this?" I was like, "That's Kiss. It's a new record." He's like, "What? You got to be fucking kidding me!" And I was like, "No, it's Kiss." Then of course I went to I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll, and I was like, "All right, never mind." And he was like, "No, <laughs> that's Kiss." Yeah, he was like, "What the fuck, man." Yeah, and I we I didn't let it get to the Peter Chris song. Thank God. <laughs> of course, I didn't spin it for somebody's wedding song either. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's funny though the way people's minds are kind of programmed to reject certain things, even though they might actually like it. You know, one of my favorite memories of working on radio one time is when Vanilla Ice came out with his heavy metal songs, I and that. I used to do a thing kind of like Smash or Trash, and on this one I was like. I'm going to play this for you. I want you to tell me if you like it or not, and then I'll tell you who it is. And it was like the phones are c- coming in. They're like, oh, man, that's really cool, because this was time like Limp Bizkit and Corn and stuff was big. Yeah, new metal. Oh, that's really good, man. I like that. Tell me who it is. You know, like, oh, I will. Stay tuned, you know? And people are like, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And then I say, oh, it's Vanilla Ice. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, the phones changed, you know? And it was like... Oh, that sucks, you know, but it was just like a dime, you know, and, and turning on it where, you know, one minute you don't know what it is. You think, oh, that's pretty good. Then you find out it's vanilla ice and now it sucks, you know. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Which I thought it sucked from the beginning, but I knew it was vanilla ice all along. So who knows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, pretty man. strange, man. Strange times, especially in 95. It's kind of cool going back and looking at this magazine because, you know, the time we did this before it was 1984 and there was no disputing that every band we talked about on that episode was something that most everybody likes and respects nowadays. But 95, man, there's a lot of intermingling of different kinds of rock in there. And it's cool to me, I think, that Metal Edge didn't look at it as this is glam, that's grunge, this is thrash, this is that. They were really all-inclusive in this stuff where they really treated it as rock music. And I like that, and I respect Metal Edge for it. Yeah, it's cool to go back and look at it because you know, we were both you know, 18, 19 years old and uh, kind of becoming adults at that time. So it's, uh, it's interesting to think back on those days. And yeah, it was uh, the the kiss thing still blows me away. I got to do more research on that Bob Ezrin story. That's odd, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, like tell us your thoughts. You know, and uh, I'll post the link for the the flip through of the magazine so you can you can flip along with it and and see what we're looking at and everything. But uh, yeah, and it, also a good thing to know is that certainly Rock and Ron's going to be taking this episode and making it into a YouTube show for yeah. Decibel Geek TV. So if you want to hang out after you're done listening to this, I'm sure it probably won't take too much time. But keep your eyes open. Hell, subscribe to it too. Decibel Geek TV. And when Rock and Ron puts that together, you're going to be able to see each thing that we've been talking about because he's going to include it as part of the video. So that'll be a lot of fun too. Yeah. So it'll be, uh, but tell us your thoughts on this era of, of rock and what you think of these stories and, and the, you know, the metal wire and the stories about 
subhuman race. We want to hear your opinion and your thoughts on these things. And I want to know the power of the haircut and how it affected you. I know I wasn't real happy with Metallica for doing it. No, I wasn't happy with anybody that did it. I thought it was selling (laughs) out. But I'd be interested to hear, you know, what other people think of that, too. So there you have it. There's our episode this week, Rock Mag 95. Uh, I guess uh, we'll catch you guys next week. But don't forget, you can always join us on Friday Night Live on the Facebook and Decibel Geek TV, 7 p.m. Central Time. You'll have to do your own uh, time math to figure that out for where you're at in the world. But uh, we will be there, so join us and get in on the conversation. Got some cool stuff lined up. I think you guys are going to love it. And other than that, I guess uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.